Welcome into the latest episode of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wilkie, back with uh, another week, another episode. We're going to get to it in just a minute, but I'm going to bring uh, Joe and Will on, and uh, we'll start with, what'd you guys do this weekend? How how was your weekend? What you been up to? Well, I watched uh, two of the most exciting NFL playoff games that I've ever watched. For anybody on here that's listening that's an NFL fan, if you watch the Chiefs Bills game that's definitely in the running for one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Just absolutely incredible. Not the most productive weekend in the world, but uh, it was very enjoyable. Mahomes yeah. said of that game, they he said like it's almost up there with the Super Bowl in terms of excitement for him. It like, felt like how, could, how could it not be? Yeah. Truly, yeah. how could it not be? That's unbelievable. I've watched it, very it's... little football the last couple of years, and and I somehow toned it, tuned in for that, and I was like, yeah, that was that was worth it. Well, the fact that there were twenty five points scored in in under two minutes to go is just again, I, I, no matter how good the Super Bowl is this year, I don't think it's going to top it. it well, on the other three one. games with three walk off field goals, just crazy. Yeah. Except yeah, my Titans lost. I didn't yeah. love that. So. That's true. That's true. The two Tennessee <laughs> was residents here had to sit through that. Well, I was watching the Titans game from uh, a Chili's, which that was bad enough. You know, eating, eating, chilies, <laughs> in, eating chilies in an airport. But, um, yeah, I was flying back from uh, Lubbock, Texas, and Sunset. Um, got to speak at their workshop. And, and uh, lots of great speakers there. Lots of great guys. Good stuff. It was really good to be uplifted and, and everything. And um, I got to speak twice on – sexuality and and such and uh the church's response to sexual issues so it was good it was fun and um man just getting to hang with cool people but then get stuck in an airport watching the titans lose was a serious bummer eating chilies too yeah (laughs) and eating chilies yeah you know you get the sampler and it always looks great Mm -hmm. on the picture like just oh man you know you get to your wings or whatever and i got the chicken strips and the little burgers they were the driest thing like airport food man Truly, the meat must have been from eight years ago. But either way, either way, I suffered through and had the abs game on my phone at the same time. So it yeah. was a not bad. No, that was a, that was all right. It worked out. But uh, Jack, how about you? What'd you do? Well, uh, before we get off that, um, Will, did you get to watch Joe's lessons at all? No, I did not. They're on my playlist. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm I, watching I encourage this week. people to check them out. Uh, search YouTube. Uh, just search Sunset Joe Wilkie. Um, that's kind of something he speaks on that you're not going to find many other places uh, is stuff on Christians and sexuality, the church and, and uh, addressing sexuality. It was, it was really great stuff. So I'm going to plug that for Appreciate you that. since you're not going to you. plug your own. Um, he's a pretty good guy, yeah. too. So, you know, we'd recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. He's OK. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I I had a funeral to preach this week, which actually, um, you know, is is kind of a down thing. But we're going to talk about a, a theology of death here in a couple of weeks. And so. Keep an eye out for that. Um, but it, it's a blessing to preach a funeral for uh, a Christian, faithful, solid member. And so uh, did that and just had some family time, worship, and, and so uh, a good, good weekend. Stuff. Very good nice. Stuff. Yeah. Very nice. All right, let's hop into it. And I'm going to start by asking you guys for this week's topic, exactly how joyful are you? Mm, good question. <laughs> good lead-in. Very good lead-in. All Very right. joyful to answer, to answer your question. That's good. Joe? I've been sick, so um, that has come <laughs> and gone a little bit. But um, overall, um, I think pretty good. Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always, even even through COVID. There you go. All right. Uh, How you, Jack? Well, <laughs> I told you guys before we got started, I'm having to replace the heat system in my house. So 
that that made it hard to rejoice always but then you rejoice that i can have heat that we can afford it all these other things so uh, that's, right. that's what we're going right. to talk about today is finding joy uh, is the joy of the christian life um it really is one of the hardest commands in the bible rejoice in the lord always and and when we think about it there's that command and and you look at the bible and you look at your christianity and it can go one of two ways. I guess we'll, we'll start off by introducing it. You've got your hobbies, your interests, the things that you like. Uh, you maybe the vacations you take, the you know fishing and hunting, or uh, I don't know what are what are hobbies for women? Crafting, scrapbooking. I my <laughs> my, my wife. What's that? What's that? Is it quilting? Yeah, quilting. Well, see, my wife likes uh, knitting and crocheting, but I didn't want to be like too stereotyping, so I don't know. Um, We'll go with those. Uh, you know, those things that you just, when you're doing them, it puts a smile on your face. You're happy. You, you just, you like that part of your life, right? And then we've got our chores. You've got the dishes. You've got the laundry. You've got mowing the lawn. You've got raking leaves, pulling weeds, uh, taking the trash out. It, Those things that you don't like to do, but you really have to. If you don't do those things, there's going to be problems. There's the Things are going to pile up. It's going to get really ugly. Christianity can go one of two ways your your daily bible reading your prayer time your your church attendance your involvement in the church uh it can be something that you're like man this i love doing this it puts a smile on my face it's one of the the best parts of my day it's one of those things that that i just look forward to uh as as you really see in a lot of the psalms you know i love the law of the lord and in psalm 119 or i was glad when they said to me let's go to the house of the lord and uh, just that that joy that you derive from your walk with God, or it's duty. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to go to church. I got to make sure I'm doing all my things. You know, because again, if I don't, if I don't keep up on my chores, maybe I don't go to heaven. You know, I, it's not good, and so I have to do these things. It can go one direction or um, the other. What what have been some of your guys' experiences with those two sides of things? Well, you communicated it very well. I think there's a lot of people who they view their Christianity. They view maybe going to worship, uh, maybe attending Bible class, um, studying their Bible at home, kind of like what you just said. They view it more as, you know, a duty or a chore. And, you know, for the person out there that finds joy in you know, doing the dishes, more power to you. You know, most people are not going to find joy in chores like that. Most people are not going to find joy in washing baseboards. Most people are not going to find joy in doing the tasks, you know, that we're required to do around the house, around the yard, whatever. And so a lot of people, to answer your question, I have experienced a lot of people who also view uh, their Christianity in that same way. They view, um, again, something as simple as coming to worship as more of a burden, more of a task rather than something that they find joy in doing. And that's something that we're going to attempt to answer in this episode. Uh, not only, you know, why is that the case for so many people, uh, but also why is that a problem? Why should that be something that rather than viewing it as a chore or as a burden, um, how about viewing that as something that uh, something to be joyful over, something to be uh, excited about, rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, and so that's that's what we're hitting on today. Joe, what about you? What are some experiences that you've seen with this? Well, I was just, I was still stuck on you washing the baseboards. If that's something that's in your uh, chore <laughs> repertoire, your house must be sparkling. He's way my, ahead my of mom us. made me do that. My mom made me do that one time as a kid, and so I've always remembered. You know, that's something I did once. So. 
yeah, I can't say that I do that too often. Um, but no, I, I would say very much, I, I'll say this, I think I swing back and forth. There are times uh, where I feel very joyful about the Christian life, very joyful about um, what I'm able to do. And there's other times where it is a chore, where it is more difficult. So I think that's, I would, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think that's fairly common is to kind of swing back and forth. Um, the danger of that is when we get caught up in that kind of permanently, right? Like we we never have the joy in the Christian life. Um, it's always a, a chore. What we're looking for is to obviously make the, the Christian life, it's a life. And the hobby thing is, is a good point, but even hobbies, we work so we can get to the weekend to enjoy our hobbies. The mm-hmm. Christian life is something that is every single day. And I think that's one of the the biggest struggles for us is doing anything full-time for us is, is difficult. Well, and sorry to cut you off, but I think one of the, at least one of the things that my parents emphasized to me is that a lot of this comes down to verbiage, uh, the way that you word things. How many times do you hear, um, you know, well, we have to go to worship. We have to go to church as right. opposed to we get, we get to, and that's something that's very simple. That's something that, you know, some people might look, well, you're just splitting hairs. But at least when I was younger, my parents tried to get me to understand the difference between those two lines of thinking. We have to versus we get to. Um, you know, again, we have to do the dishes. We have to, not in Joe's case, apparently, wash the baseboards. Right. We have to do <laughs> things like that. If you apply that same verbiage, that same, uh, that same wording to worship service, to, well, I've got to get my Bible study done. I've, I have to pray today. It's not exactly a good thing. That should be something... Um, that you're saying we get to or excited to, but I think a lot of it can come down to something just as simple as the wording, the verbiage that's used. I think that's a really great point is, is framing our own mind. That stuff sticks. That stuff gets in there. Um, I'm right there with you, Joe, that it's gone back and forth. Um, and, and it's going to do that. There are going to be times where in, in your Christian life, it is dragging yourself through cold duty that you don't feel like because you know, you're supposed to, but you're also trying to get back to that point of joy. I mean, this is one of the, the beautiful things about the Psalms is you've got the highs, the lows. You've got, I really I feel close to God. I really feel distant from God. But you keep trudging forward because you know there's something good there. And one of the other things that those of us that are in ministry experience is there are parts of it that it is your job, the the spiritual life, the spiritual walk. And, and so it's very easy to conflate the two. And, and the same way people go, oh, I got to go to work and do spreadsheets. Well, I got to go to work and study the book of Mark or whatever, you know. And, and so you stumble into it that way as well. And, and so a lifelong thing, Joe, as you said, that you do every day. It's not a weekend hobby. It's, it's something you get up and do every day. It can run dry if you're not careful. Uh, and that's a, that's a good point, Jack. And I think we've established thus far that this is an issue. This is something that can be very easy to conflate the two, you know, duty and joy, uh, a chore versus uh, something that we should find joy in doing. But it leads us to the next question. This is something I'll just kick over to you two to, to get your take on. Why is it that joy uh, is such a lacking characteristic? And, and we, we will... Um, zoom in here and focus more so on members of the church, um, obviously, because that's kind of where we we have targeted and aimed this particular episode of the podcast when it comes to joy, not necessarily just joy, um, you know, secularly, but what about in the church? Why is it that we have so many, you know, members of the church who don't really exude joy? You know, you hear the jokes about we're singing, uh, sing and be happy or oh, happy day with, you know, nobody smiling right and it's just kind right. of ironic that those are the, the songs we choose to sing and, and yet you look around 
Right. You look around a lot of Sunday mornings and you don't see a lot of joy. Uh, and again, that's a generalization that, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not trying to cast aspersions on everybody, but generally speaking, that is the case. And so why is that? Why is joy such a lacking characteristic among Christians in the year 2022? Well, that's a great question. I think there's a couple things on that are kind of swirling through my mind. Um, first, I think the way that we focus on heaven is an, an eternal life. Um, I remember going through the book of John and when it was kind of pointed out to me that eternal life there is more about the joy that we have here, right? It is, it is quality, not quantity. And not that there's not quantity, but absolutely, absolutely. It starts now. It starts now. We have eternal life now instead of in the future. And I think when we focus so much on, we'll just get to heaven, get to heaven, get to heaven. My joy will be in heaven. My joy will be in heaven. Like, no, but you can have joy here now. We're well, that's something we discuss now. with the first episode of this podcast is yeah. the idea of coasting to the finish line. Right. So exactly. Just going right. to try to make it to the end. Right. And exactly and that right. definition is in John 17, three, knowing God is eternal life. And, and that's what you have now. Um, it, this kind of I, I made a sermon out of this because I'm doing prep work might as well double do it and one of the things that I, I really focused on was Israel in the wilderness you're looking at the pillar of fire the pillar of cloud you're at Sinai with the cloud descending the lightning God's presence is that tangibly present to you and you're looking around going yeah but where's the bread where's the water this is terrible let's go back let's go back to that country where they were beating us we were enslaved they were killing our children that was better than this and it's like well hold on even if you're out wandering in the middle of the desert not sure where your next meal is coming from you have god and so one of the the things when you say why people don't have joy is it is that realization of you don't realize what you have now and as you said you know the promised land the far off thing that you can't see heaven for us promised land for them isn't always enough motivation because it's just not real enough right now. I think it also speaks to the ingratitude of the Israelites and how ungrateful we can be as well. It's it's the it's the ingratitude for like you said what we have now, um, but also not appreciating in every sense where we've come from, what we've come out of. We've come out of the Egypt, right? And one of the things you notice in the Psalms um, that's always interesting is when David is crying out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or, or you know, he's, why are you so far off? He always comes back around. Just notice in Psalms, it's, it's very interesting. He always comes back around to, but you've dealt bountifully with me in the past, basically. Right. I know that you are you will you will save me. I know that you are here because of what you've done in the past. There's a gratitude present in the Psalms that I think we lack in our life. We look back and go, well, what do we have type of thing? Where did we come from? If the Israelites were able to look back and say, no, Egypt really was horrible. We are in the presence of, we have the presence of God with us and we're grateful for it. They were appreciative of, of where they came from and where they are now. I feel like that would help the joy flow more. And same with us. A lot of times we can look back at our past life before Christianity and it's kind of like, well, it's not that much different, to be honest, because mm-hmm. other than going to church and trying to read our Bible more, is it that much different? Because we don't fully understand all, all of, of living by the Spirit and, and kind of the gravity of that, but we don't really appreciate that either. So I think it's a, I don't know, an ingratitude kind of goes along with the lack of joy. Well, and, and that's a great point, and that's something that I think both of y'all have hit on is the sense that we get so caught up you know, in the day-to-day that we lose sight of the big picture. You know, the Israelites especially – clearly multiple times 
lost sight of who they were serving. You know, Moses is up on Mount Sinai for, you know, 40 days or whatever it is. And they're like, okay, you know what? Yes, we'll just go ahead and make a golden calf. Uh, you know, right. we'll serve somebody else because this Moses thing, this God thing clearly isn't working. But I, to answer that, the question, why is Joy such a lacking characteristic? I, I think there, I, I would touch on two things and a couple of, or one of them y'all have already kind of hit on. But we don't realize, or at least we forget, how good we truly have it. Um, Jack, you said you just you're having to replace your your heating system in your house. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you don't have to give details, but I would imagine that's somewhere around a three thousand dollar bill. For most people, for the average person, that bill comes due, and it's kind of like a, a gut punch. Like, oh man, that's that's brutal. That's something you know. That's you know that that for some people might be a reason that you have a bad week. You know, you have a a, a bad day. Just man, I got I got to pay this. But if you get a billion dollars in the bank, how much are you actually sweating a three thousand dollar heating bill? Mm. You know, hopefully you're not. You got a billion dollars in the bank. What's the big deal? I don't. I don't have a billion dollars just to clear right, up for the right. listeners. I, I wish I did. I Close. but Close. continue your nice. point just to nice. clear up. No, no, just with the the analogy here that right. I'm using. Spiritually speaking, we do have a billion dollars in the bank. Spiritually speaking, we have Christ. We have mm-hmm. salvation. You know the things in in our lives that bring us down, that that take away our joy. It should be like the guy that has to pay three thousand dollars when he's got a billion dollars in the bank. It should it shouldn't phase us. You know it, it, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we have a billion dollars in the bank. Spiritually speaking, we have salvation, we have grace, we have you know something that the world doesn't have, and that in and of itself should be a reason why we're so joyful. But the fact is, we forget that. We lose sight of that. We forget that we are again spiritually rich. This. This is what annoys me so much when Philippians 4.13 gets abused by the prosperity gospel, by just shallow Christianity. You know, the people just put it on all their stuff. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can graduate from college. I can win this race. I can make a million dollars through Christ who strengthens me. And and the whole context for that is I can go to jail and I can can be in poverty. I can be beaten. I can be whatever else. And I can have joy because Jesus is my reason for doing it and that thing brings me closer to Jesus and so when Paul and Silas get thrown in prison what do they do? They're singing at the top of their lungs in the middle of the night when you think, man, that was rough conditions how do you sing in a time like that? Because they're serving Jesus, it brought them closer to them Uh, and he says in in whatever circumstances I've learned to be content because Christ is what's strengthening me, keeping me going and so uh, where you say where we don't have joy is because we're not viewing everything as an opportunity to grow closer to Christ. You know, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, consider it all joy when you encounter various mm-hmm. trials. That command and rejoice in the Lord always, as as I said off the top, maybe two of the, if not the hardest commands in the Bible. Because you mm-hmm. think, man, something really bad happens, and, and really bad things can happen. Health emergencies, family members pass away, financial crisis you lose your job whatever else i mean like life throws really hard things at us uh relational difficult i mean like just really bad things and you look at those verses and go i'm supposed to rejoice right now and i'm supposed to find joy in this well Well, how and and it comes back around to paul's point it brings me closer to jesus john's or james's point it builds my faith it grows me closer to my father well and again jack you brought up philippians 4 um, you know, right before that, he he talks about like he just said, he has learned in whatever state he's in mm-hmm. to be content, and you know, not to brag. But Paul goes into you know all these things that he he went through, and you know, you just look at Second Corinthians, uh, goodness, I think it's chapter eleven, where he lists all these things that he went through, and he doesn't do it you know to brag, he doesn't do it to 
you know, boost himself up, but he does it to show you can still rejoice. You can still find joy. You can still be content even when all these things happen to you. And you look at Christianity today, we're not physically persecuted. We're not getting beaten. We're not getting scourged. You know, we're not running for our lives, losing our homes. The things that we're having to deal with, you know, not to compare and contrast, but to, to put it frankly, they're not as life-threatening, you might say, mm-hmm. as the stuff that, that the first century Christians were dealing with. And yet people like Paul still found joy. And yet the difficulties that we have, you know, have a bad week financially. We have a, uh, you know, just a tough month at work and we lose our joy. That's, you know, something that it, we have to fix. We have to work on. If the first century Christians could find joy and they they were running for their lives, they were getting beaten, they were getting scourged. Why can't we find joy even when we have a bad work week? So, so that's a, I've thought a lot about this, about did they have it easier than us to find joy? And that sounds ridiculous with that. But at the same time, hear me this out should, on this. This should be interesting. Yes, hear me <laughs> out on this. I've, I've thought a lot about this. We have very few physical challenges, which I think keeps our mind very grounded and on earth. Like, and, and the catch-22 of thinking about heaven too much is we lose sight of, of, you know, the joy we can have here on earth. But we also do need to be thinking about heaven and about the spiritual things so as to kind of put our mind on a different plane, so to speak. So back then, what did they have other than Christ? Their families are dying. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They're being persecuted. There's all sorts of terrible things. Christ was everything for them because what they had to lose was, I would say, minimal compared to us on a physical level. That's now, a good point. Yeah, that's it's that sounds horrible because it's like, well, these things don't matter, which is true. They don't matter. But you know what? If you don't have them, then they really don't matter. Um, if you have these things, it makes it our our mind is so much more on the physical than theirs was. And you see this like we don't think about the abstract near as much as I think people maybe, you know, I don't that's tough to say because we didn't live back then. But I feel like we're very much focused, especially with social media, with the devices in our hands and everything else. We're focused on the here and now, like the the physical things in our life. Yep. It's tough. So when tragedies happen. You know, I was watching a TV show the other day and um, there's like an earthquake or whatever. And they realize, well, this gave us more time to be together. Well, that's an abstract principle in the physical an earthquake destroyed things. And that's horrible. Right. But you can think abstractly and say, but it was better because, you know, there was still some some joy to be found in this because we had time to spend together that we needed. Right. So we have to be able to think abstractly about things instead of just how it affects us physically. We need to think about how it affects us emotionally, how it affects us spiritually. And I think that's one of the keys to finding joy is being able to think outside the box. Back then they did that a lot. They, their main thoughts were on Christ were on growing closer to him because they didn't have near the distractions we have now. So it sounds ridiculous to say they had it easier. It's, I mean, you're getting killed. I could not imagine what they were going through, but it also is kind of like a, what else did they have? And for us, we get so caught up on the mundane, the, the, the garbage that doesn't matter, but it's really difficult to put our mind into an abstract spiritual level of like, let me think about the spiritual applications to what's happened here. We're thinking about, I don't know, the bazillion bills we have to pay. Does that make sense? Well, 
Yeah. It does. And I think a lot of that also comes down to priorities as well. And that was, you know, that's kind of a buzzword that we use quite a bit. But um, if your priorities are heaven, if your priorities are uh, walking with God, being, a, you know, growing more Christ-like every single day, you're not going to get uh, dragged down as much, bogged down in the the bills you have to pay or the, the sure. tough times going on with your family or at work. However, if your priorities are on finding happiness uh, and, and we're going to get into the difference between happiness and joy here momentarily but if your priorities are just getting to the weekend finding happiness rather than joy uh you know doing whatever makes you happy uh just avoiding any kind of hardship if those are your priorities it is going to be a whole lot easier to lose uh joy to not find joy uh in the the doldrums you might say of, of this life well, so you brought up that divide between happiness and joy. I think that's an important one because when the Bible says rejoice always, it's not saying be happy. It's not saying, hey, my, my parent died. Yay, all right, you know, I'm a high five. It's not saying, wow, I lost my job and I don't know where I'm going to feed my family. I'll, man, this is the best. Uh, again, this is one of the beautiful things about the Psalms is they take us through the range of human emotions mm-hmm. from, man, I'm on top of the world to... I'm crushed. God has abandoned me. Everybody else has abandoned me. What am I going to do? Uh, you know, and then you have those things like, though he slay me, you know, and you see Job and well, I can't curse God. He made me, you know, he, it's his to take away. He gave it to me. And so you see those attitudes that say through anything, what am I going to do? God's, God's the only good I have. Uh, and so that helps a lot, but it shows us you don't have to be happy about everything. You can mourn, you can grieve, you can be angry, you can be sad, you can be hurt, you can be all of those things and still find a, a way back to joy. Um, you know, you guys are, are well aware. I, I went through some really, really hard times in the last year. I mean, just crushed, a really, really difficult stuff. And it's in those times where it's like, rejoice always uh no thanks this is awful this is the worst and and i I got really good counsel from from some friends uh in ministry and uh in different places and one of the things one of them uh pointed back to me was uh you know lamentations too the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i will hope in him you have him that's your portion that's what you get you know the idea of your portion at, at dinner they put it on your plate this is what you get um, the Lord being your portion is not scraps. It's not leaving you starving. It's you have what you need to get through. You have a rock to hold on to. You have, um, I, I probably have used it on the podcast before, but it's been a while, uh, that Spurgeon quote of, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. What a great quote. You know, that the things in life that, that slam me into God to where I have to cling to him, that I have to use him as an anchor, as a rock, as a shield, as a refuge, all those terms, those are good things. Those, they're not good in themselves. They're not happy times, but they are a cause for joy because you come out of them having more of God, and the more of God you have, the more joyful you can be, the more deep inner peace you can have because you know this is the only thing that really, truly matters. Well, and that in and of itself is the reason that Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. You right. look at the world. You, you look at somebody that, that doesn't have God. Well, it's no surprise. I mean, they don't have that that uh, verse to comfort them. The Lord is my portion. They don't have – they don't believe in God. They don't acknowledge God. They reject God. Any one of those three, well, sure, they're not going to find joy 
uh, or at least it's going to be a whole lot harder for them to find joy, but somebody who firmly believes that the Lord is their portion, somebody who firmly believes that their salvation is secure, somebody who firmly believes that there is a life after this one that we can look forward to, it should be a whole lot easier to find joy. It should be a whole lot easier to have a smile on our face while we're singing, sing and be happy or oh, happy day, uh, as opposed to, you know, just again, showing up to worship, singing because it's a chore, because it's something, you know, we have to check it off of our, our to-do list. Well, and that's that's uh, part of the difference between the happiness and joy is people in the world go through tough times. People in the church go through tough times. When people in the world go through them, they're not happy. When people in the church go through them, they're not happy. The difference between the two is you've got something that you've got something that gives it meaning and purpose. If if you really buy into the whole we are space dust, we climbed climbed out of the primordial ooze, when we die, that's it, and and this life is all there is. And you, uh, I illustrated it this way the other day. When you go on vacation and you get a flat tire, or you know, uh, your engine breaks down, or whatever, and and it costs you, you know, three hours out of your three day vacation, it it it's like, man, this stinks. I've only got this much vacation time, and now I'm I'm having to spend it on this, and and I'm not getting to to the mountains or to the beach or wherever I'm going, and I, I, I'm, you know, like I've planned for this. This is this is what it's all about, and I don't have that. If you think all I've got is my time here on earth and anything cuts into your enjoyment of it, it's that same mindset of like, man, it's all slipping away from me. I've got nothing to hold on to. If you've got purpose that says you're going to come out better for this, this is this makes it all better in the end, then you can have joy. Then you can look at the bigger picture and go, okay, th- I don't like this. I'm not happy about it. I wish it hadn't happened, but it, it has a purpose. It's not meaningless. Well, I think at the at the core as well, you know, that's such a it's a very valuable point in terms of things having purpose. Like that helps us. It's kind of the Viktor Frankl man's search for meaning. We're yeah. always trying to find meaning in the worst, and that book is actually fantastic, even though it's not a uh, Christian book per se. You know, him coming through the Holocaust and the internment camps and everything. It's a very interesting book. That's what man's trying to do is we're trying to find joy, but in that it's meaning but you know and uh, at the core i was thinking is do christians appreciate being close to god do i appreciate being close to god do i know the difference when my life is is in attunement with the father through the spirit right the spirit is really working in my life i'm seeing god answer prayers i'm feeling on a on a huge high um i think it's easy for us to like seek the highs of christianities of Christianity. And if we don't get that, then kind of be like, okay, well, it's just a duty. It's just a chore instead of, Hey, the fact that I get to grow closer to God, we're not necessarily seeking highs of Christianity as much as we're seeking to be one with God. We're seeking to be like Christ, right? We're seeking, um, I don't know, I guess stability. And see, that's, I feel like that's lacking. You brought the word duty in there. And I think that's important. That's something I wanted to talk about as part of all this is, there can be a tendency to, to pit the two against each other, duty and joy. And, you know, you hear that it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And um, all of those those ideas like that of, of kind of putting duty down. It's not duty. You're not doing it, you know, out of out of. But obedience is part of it. Uh, duty is part of it. Adam was created with duty. You know, every Christian sure. has a duty. We're created in him for good works and all these things. And and we look at duty and we, we, we can look at work as, as like a bad thing, right? As, uh, well, as we start off at the top, a chore. 
I have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. And so, you know, I have to take the trash out. That's a duty. I don't like the duty. So if I can frame my Christianity not as a duty. When you view it as love in service to your king, you know, devotion to him, that, that you love serving him, you love being in his kingdom, you love being part of his family, um, you know, in the same way as, as like as you want to train your kids, hey, we do these chores because we, we like being part of a family. We're taking care of each other. We're helping each other. You do your part. I'll do mine. And, and we all benefit from this. We all uh, have joy from this. And so there's a sense in, in which it's duty, but it's not duty like a cold, uh, as we said, I, I have to read my Bible. It's both of those things. Reading my Bible is going to bring me closer to God. You know, when you do the daily Bible reading thing, it's a really important thing, but it's very easy for it to turn into, all right, I read a chapter, close the book, put it away, come back tomorrow, read a chapter, put... If you don't open the Bible thinking, this is a chance to know my father better, to know what Jesus did for me better, to know his love, to know his plan, to know uh, what he expects from me so I can serve him and grow closer to him, look at duty that way. And and it's still duty. You still need to do it, but it's joyful duty. And, and there's a big difference there. It's not about eliminating duty from Christianity because I think there's a, a very strong push toward that in some corners of Christianity, right? Sure. We got to get away from the, the idea of eliminating duty and make it joyful duty, duty with a purpose. And that's, Dad always told us growing up, don't do what you love, learn to love what you do. And that's stuck with me. I, I've used that with a lot of my clients. Uh, you know, everybody wants to to do what they love, right? I'm going to chase photography or whatever else. And, and dad was in the water and sewer business, but he learned to love what he did because he found purpose. He found joy even in a, a dirty job on a backhoe, right? Um, and that stuck with me because it made me realize no matter where I'm placed, I can find joy in the job that I'm doing. I can find purpose in that. And I think that's the, the point here is, making the it's not a chore it's it's you know i am enjoying and and again looking more abstractly at the things that we enjoy instead of well me doing the dishes is just well, i don't want to do the dishes this is horrible i guess i'll just uh, I'll, I'll get through it but hope that the dishes don't build up to it. no what if we found joy in that because in doing that we get to you know look outside over the kitchen sink and enjoy the beauty of nature listen to podcast hearing maybe this podcast just so you know, you know, we we look for ways to enjoy what we're doing, but also finding purpose in it. And and again, looking for the abstract of like, I am taking care of my house in a way that shows that I, I care about my domain, right? I have dominion in this area. Like, it's the, I don't know if you want to call them highbrow concepts, but it's very easy to be like, oh, we're just, you know. I'm just reading scripture. No, you're growing closer to God. Mm -hmm. Now, closer to God is not a physically tangible thing per se, but it's really important to do. So once again, you have to think outside the box of what am I gaining from this? Even in the, in the momentary, you know, time of, of this stinks, but I'm gaining something from this. I'm growing well, closer. Whatever. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm off. It does. It does. And a, a lot of these, or a lot of this also comes down to the way in which we view our lives. You know, if, if we are, um, if we're Christians and we truly believe that, you know, we have salvation, we should also be mindful of the fact that our lives are not our own. You know, it, mm. it's not something that we can, you know, take ownership as far as, you know, in a braggado braggadocious way about our lives. God has blessed us with the life that we have. 
You know, God has has put us here on this earth. You know, you the first Corinthians passage about our bodies are not our own. In a way, our lives are not our own either. We have a purpose yeah. beyond simply satisfying our, our own happiness. We have a uh, a purpose beyond, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. We have a purpose beyond these things that the world pursues. Our life uh, is meant to be used pursuing God. Our life is meant to be used to glorify God, to serve God in the, in the short, tiny amount of time in the grand scheme of things that we have on this earth. We should be using our lives for the purpose of, again, not just seeking after our, our own happiness and to anybody who who loses sight of that and views it as jack you use the vacation analogy and uh, it's it's funny because the three of us were going on vacation six seven years ago in jack's car and it did happen to break down <laughs> yep. on, the, on the way down <laughs> yeah so uh he speaks from experience there mm-hmm. but it you know you use the vacation analogy and you know you have a four-day vacation and a day of it is wasted uh at the mechanic shop or whatever you can view that very negatively and selfishly saying man a day of my vacation was wasted same thing with our lives. However, our lives are not our own. God has put us on this earth. He's the one that has blessed us with the life that we have. To get selfish with it, to get greedy with it, to lose joy in it is really to lose sight of the fact that we're not here to, to eat, drink, and be merry. We're not here to to get to retirement so we can enjoy ourselves. We're here to serve God. We're yeah. here to glorify God. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to combine a little bit of what you both said there. The idea that our lives are not our own is a great principle. The idea that, uh, Joe, as you said, learning to love what you do. So my favorite show growing up, I'm still a big fan of it, was uh, Boy Meets World in the 90s. And it's always interested me that in the earlier episodes, they had an, an episode about the dad worked at a grocery store. Uh, and, and he was kind of embarrassed by it. The other dads had cool jobs at career day and all that. And, uh, you know, the wise old mentor tells the kid, you need to be proud of your dad. You know, a hero is somebody who does what they have to, you know, to, to help the people around him. And then you get to the later seasons and it, he abandons that job for the dream job. I got to chase my dreams. I got to do what fulfills me. I got to do what I love. And, and kind of this very modern idea that, you know, you've you've just gotta gotta pursue what makes you happy rather than making it where you are. And and I think you combine these two ideas together, it's the idea of I can make joy anywhere. I can I can find joy in my Christian life because I'm living it unto God. Because I belong to Him, the circumstances don't have to be set up for me. I can make it that way. And, and I think that's the idea that is so pervasive in our society is if the circumstances aren't just right, it's somebody else's fault that I'm not joyful, and therefore I've got to go to where it, I'm going to find joy and to where it's going to be given to me, you know, that rather than taking on duty, rather than taking on, you know what, I'm just going to live unto the Lord, like Paul, if I'm in a jail cell, if I'm anything else, the goal is to know Christ and, and be his and, and serve him. Um, and, and I, I knew a lady, she, uh, came to church for a while, one of the, the churches I worked with and just didn't, wasn't getting enough out of it or whatever. Well, she was real big on going to the, the concerts, you know, the, the contemporary Christian music kind of thing. And, oh, that experience. Oh, I just felt, felt so spiritual, so, so religious in those things. And, you know, I'm not getting that when I come on Sunday. So I got to go somewhere where I find that feeling, that that feeling that um, I'm, you know, that the, the, that mountaintop feeling or whatever else. And it's not being created for me in this church. So I got to go to the church that's going to create it for me. And they're going to put on the lights and the music. And, and man, then I'm going to really feel close to God. 
you you make it. You don't have to have somebody else make it for you. And I think that's one of the big things is that we kind of wait for Christianity to bring us joy. Or if the, the preacher is right, then, okay, I like this church. I can find joy in my Christianity here. Or if I find the right devotional book, if I find, and, and not that the devotional books are bad, they can help you, they can lead you in the right direction, but stop waiting on it to happen to you and, and make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Right. And in all of those things, the joy is not coming from God. The joy is coming from a really good preacher or coming from the devotional book or coming from whatever else. And that sounds ridiculous because, yes, the devotional book is about God. But it's I feel like we try to maybe supplement some things and find our joy like in a a concert or whatever else. Um, And how does that differ from the world? Who's going to a secular concert just trying to make it through the week? This is their this is their joy for the week. Okay, so let's come around to, let's say somebody asks you or somebody is telling you they don't enjoy Christianity. How do you enjoy Christianity, right? I, I live my life as best as I can. I'm reading scripture. I'm praying. I'm, I'm going to church. Um, but I don't really enjoy Christianity. What do you tell them at that point then? Well, this, uh, goodness, there's, there's a lot. That's a loaded question. We could answer that uh, a variety of ways. But one of the things that I'll bring up, and this could very easily spiral us into another 30-minute discussion, um, try to try to avoid that. But I think one of the the reasons that maybe some don't enjoy Christianity as much, or maybe why joy just isn't as prevalent, if you study the first century Christians, you look at Acts chapter two, you look at Acts chapter four, you look at Paul's letters, and the way in which the church, the body of Christ, are supposed to be uh, functioning, they're supposed to be connected to each other, involved with each other. You compare that with the congregations that we have today, there is a stark difference. There is a stark contrast, if you will. You know, nowadays it's we see each other two times a week, three times a week if we're lucky, and you know, might come together for a fellowship meal every now and then, maybe a, a youth uh, project. But other than that, it's a bunch of people living their own individual lives, independent lives, who come to worship. Hey, how you doing in the hallway? Nice to see you. Uh, you know don't we're not involved with each other anything past that you look at acts 2 and acts 4 and again the rest of the new testament that's not the way god designed the church and jack i know you wrote a book on this so i'll let you get in on this here in just a second but i i I tend to believe that if our congregations if our uh, churches looked more like the book of acts teaches and the new testament teaches as far as a group of people who are truly dependent on each other, who are truly bearing each other's burdens, who are involved with each other more than just three hours out of the week, who are in each other's homes, who are sharing meals, who are who are studying the Bible together. If we looked more like that as congregations, I don't think it's a stretch to say that joy would be so much more prevalent because we find joy in each other. We find joy uh, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are on the same path as us and we're sharing in those things. I feel like it would be, again, joy would be far more prevalent if our congregations looked more like Acts 2, Acts 4, and the rest of the New Testament teaches about the body of Christ being interconnected and dependent on each other. That's not the case today. Jack, what what do you have to add to that? I think that's a very needed, very overlooked point. Uh, First John, no, third John, he says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. Uh, Philippians chapter four, Paul calls the Philippian church, you know, the, they're the Christians that he has baptized there, that he has trained and taught that are being faithful. He says, my joy and crown. And you look at just how much joy they took in the faith of other people. 
And, you know, we see somebody get baptized, we're, we're excited for them, we sing, you know, we're happy we give them a hug, you know, we, we tell them we're happy to see them there or whatever else. But this is one of the great things about joy is is we, we've kind of talked a lot about how do I feel it? How do I get there? You know, how do I get to this point? It's it's in passing it on to others that we can really feel some joy. Is is taking that connection with each other, that shared life together, taking responsibility for somebody else's growth, taking responsibility for you know really encouraging somebody else, building somebody else, training them in the faith, um, those kinds of things that we can do that drive us toward my walk with God is not just about me. It's about sharing all of this together. Eternity is going to be about sharing this love together, uh, is, is that me and you and, and all of us are going there together. And so that is a really big step toward joy, is investing in each other. Uh, there's a joy in having this family. There's a joy in uh, pursuing a goal together. There's a joy in, in camaraderie, being part of a team. If you ever played sports and, and been a part of a team where everyone was just clicking together, that's one of the beautiful things God designs about humanity is that we can do those things together, uh, you know, and, and uh, everybody. But it, there's also something to the men with the men, the women with the women, um, those kinds of structures that God has created to do certain things that don't happen individually. And so I, I think you're really onto something. That there's great joy to be found in each other that when we kind of do that, am I feeling enough joy in this church? Am I getting enough joy out of my walk? We forget that part of it is how much am I investing into others? Uh, the other side of it is, you know, back to this question of somebody says, I'm not, I'm not getting enough joy out of it. So, you know, I, we all read lots of different authors. John Piper is one that's pretty widely read and he has uh, Desiring God is his famous book. And there's a lot of good in there, but I've found that a lot of people who go down that path find themselves asking all the time, am I enjoying God enough? Am I really, are my emotions in place, in the right place? Am I really getting enough out of this walk with God? And and that kind of can mess you up when you, every time you go to worship, like, did I enjoy it that properly? Did I did I get enough out of it? Um, I read another guy, uh, Watchman Nee, Chinese guy, I've cited him before. Uh, his whole point was, stop looking at yourself. Look at God. Look at him. Focus on him. Stop asking yourself, am I feeling good enough about this? Am I getting enough about this? Behold him in awe, and you lose yourself in him, and there's there's real joy in that. And so we've talked about that a lot, of knowing God is what to pursue. And so somebody says, what should I do? Think that way about your, your Bible reading. Think that way about your prayer. This is about knowing and conversing with a God that I love, a God that I want to know better. And so... Uh, that would be one of my answers is reframe how you're doing your stuff to the idea of knowing God. Uh, Joe, you asked the question. So, Let's put it back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a follow up question on that. Why is knowing God so important and so key to joy? How is knowing God the key to joy? Because I, I think of it as a, I could say, well, just know God. Okay. What does that look like? And me getting closer to him, how does that help me have more joy in my Christianity that maybe these mountaintop experiences? Because it doesn't necessarily provide a mountaintop experience. And I know plenty of people who have had mountaintop experiences who still don't know. I wouldn't say they know God. So we're saying that's one of the keys. And I don't disagree with that. But what would you guys say to how that's the key or why that's the key? Uh, that's good. Digging into the to the assumptions. Because you're right. I mean, this whole time we've said knowing God. Um what do you get out of knowing God? And again, I, I, I say this probably every week. I say it in my sermons. I say it all the time. 
this is one of the real keys to one of the real important points on why you got to be in the Psalms regularly. Uh, read a Psalm a day. Make a practice, you know, every now and then read through the Psalms in a month. It's not that hard. You can do it uh, setting aside, you know, 10 minutes each day or less. When you get those, that's when you see people who do know God, how they feel, how life is different for them. And and you see all those terms, God is my rock, my refuge, my strength, my shield, he's my stay, he's my anchor, he's uh, my joy, my hope, my, my all of these things. And, and when you know God on that level, you know, David, the man after God's own heart, um, I really, you know, the sons of Korah, their psalms are incredible as well. Uh, and, and in their knowing God, in their knowledge of God, in their walk with God, you just see that going back to the Lord is my portion. What you're getting out of him is what you expect from being close to God. Well, what does the Bible say you get from being close to God, from having God in you? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, right. peace, patience. And, and so you say, well, what's why knowing God? Because that's what comes out of you when you do. When you draw near to him, you are transformed from the inside to be a joyful person, to be a peaceful person, to be a kind, a gentle person. Because... Those are all attributes that he brings to the table. Well, and and this should be fairly obvious, but I think, Joe, to answer your question, this is something that has to be illuminated, and that is knowing about God and knowing God are two very yeah. different things. You, you have, you know, you got a congregation of 200 people that, that faithfully attend worship on Sunday mornings. I would say all 200 of them know about God, at least to some extent, right? They've read their Bibles. They, they, they know about God. But how many of those 200 truly know God, or at least actively um, seeking to know God. That's a, a big key difference that we, ha- that we have to illuminate. There's a difference. And yeah, I know about God. I know what his characteristics are. I read about him in the scriptures. Yeah, but do, how much do you know him? And, you know, obviously, they're, they're, Joe, you're right. We have to answer the question, what does that look like? But I think that's something that, again, we have to make sure we understand the difference, knowing about God versus knowing God. Because if we truly know God and we're, and we're actively striving to know God better, then all these things that we've discussed kind of solve themselves. We're not looking at, at Bible study as, well, I have to get it done. We're looking at it as a chance to get to know God. We're not viewing, well, I got to get on my knees and say my prayer before I go to sleep. We're viewing it as this is a chance for me to talk to God, to get to know God. Uh, again, the priority things that we've discussed, the the losing side of the bigger picture, if we're striving to know God, that's kind of all those things are being answered and solved in and of themselves. Well, so it, maybe the... Uh, on the knowing God real quick, you know, knowing about versus knowing God, that's such an important distinction because you think about it in practical terms, that's Clint Eastwood. You can read his Wikipedia page, you can read a biography on him, whatever else you can say, I know about him. If you have breakfast with him every morning, you know totally different things, you know, right. than you know him on a totally different level. And so, you know, we know the facts about God. We can quote verses, you know, if you go to Sunday school long enough, you you, you, you kind of know some theology, all of that versus it has to be personal it has to be yourself you nobody can do it for you uh in the same way that no amount of books written podcasts on on a celebrity your favorite basketball player whatever else can let you know them it has to be you making time and finding time with them um and that's where you start to get the difference between knowing about and knowing god and that's where the fruit of it starts coming out i think i would Ask going back to the initial question, what would you say to somebody who, you know, isn't finding joy in their Christianity? Um, I think the question I might ask first is, how's your prayer life? 
Yeah. Because when you think about it, it's really easy to read the scriptures. I, when I was growing up, you know, it was, I, it was a badge of honor for me to have like this ridiculously long streak of reading the Bible every day. And I read through the Bible two or three times and woohoo, pat myself on the back. And I remember on the third time reading through being like, I swear to you, I've never read this before. Yeah. I, this is the third time through, and I don't remember this story at all. It's your your eyes moved over it, but Bingo. yeah, exactly. And how easy is that for us? Even in studying the scriptures, I have always found it easier to dig into scriptures and and to do the studying portion rather than the prayer. And I think the relationship side of it is not just God getting into us and us knowing about God, as you guys are saying, but allowing us to kind of to to bring our issues and to bring our concerns and our thoughts and everything else to him in prayer and so i think for somebody who's not really feeling the joy or feeling very close to god or anything like that i i think you'd have to look specifically at the the prayer life and say how much are you putting into god how much are you giving him a part of your your sin struggles and um just everything else because that's very easily the first thing to go when you get busy more so than Bible study, than Bible reading, because that sometimes is a habit that's very ingrained. But I realize that, uh, like even in my own life, that when I'm struggling to find joy in Christianity, my prayer life is not where where it should be. So that relationship side of it with God, I think, is really important. And how do we get that? So that's going to be my question is, you know, for you guys, how do we get to know God and not just know about God? And to answer that question for myself, I think it's it's the prayer side of it as to how I would really know God and how I would try to find joy in, in me knowing him. Is there anything else you guys would add to that? Well, I think it starts with um, the obvious and that is making an effort. If you want to get to know somebody, you know, that really can't be done passively. That can't be done, you know, casually, like Jack said with the Clint Eastwood example, you want to get to know Clint Eastwood, you sit down, you have breakfast with him, you ask questions, you, you get to know him. Um, that sounds obvious, but I think a lot of people will try to know God or get to know God in a very passive manner. Well, I'll listen to a, I'll listen to a sermon. I'll, I'll, I'll read a book. I'll, I'll, I'll do this and that. And you have to be intentional. You have to actually make an effort. You have to actually strive, sit down with the Psalms. You know, we brought that up several times, sit down and, and, and spend 30 minutes, not just reading, not just as, as y'all just said, moving your eyes over the page and, you know, looking at your watch to see if 30 minutes is done. But actually making an effort to, you know, what what do I learn about about God in this passage, or, or how do I, what what do I see that the author was seeing when he was talking to God? That's literally what you know. David multiple times. Psalm fifty one is one of my favorite psalms because David is at his absolute lowest uh, when it comes to sin, and you look at the way that he is uh, just pouring his heart out uh, to God in, in, in the form of a psalm you know, you have to be intentional. You, you have to make an effort. This can't, this can't be something that's done passively. Um, prayer, Joe is, is, um, that would probably be my, be my answer as well. You have to set aside time. Uh, we brought up, uh, uh, the idea of meditating on God's word before again, going beyond simply reading, going beyond, okay, I got to hit four chapters today to, to get my Bible reading done for the day, but actually sitting down and meditating on the words that we're reading, thinking about, uh, the, the way in which God would have us to live our lives. All of these things, have to be intentional they have to be uh you have to make an effort and i think that's the first step it's it's the two sides of that yeah it's it's the heart and so the two sides i I guess to leave something tangible to think about is focus and purpose 
why are you opening the Bible to get to know God better? Not to say you did your Bible reading today, not to know more facts, you know, to know more about God. That helps. You'll get that. And it's one of those, if, if you work on knowing God more through his word and prayer, you're going to know more about him. If you just go for knowing about him and memorizing facts and all that, you might not know him. And so it's, sure. it's the purpose for which you sit down, down for your devotional times, but then it's the focus. Meditation is a really big part of it. It's thinking, what does this mean for me? How does this apply in my life? How, how does this speak into me and, and my struggles and my weaknesses and my strengths and what God wants from me? Um, because as we talked about the reading your eyes over the page, you close the book. And then I've, I've done this before where I get to the end of the day and I go, I don't remember anything I read this morning. It didn't have any effect on me today. But man, when I take that time to like grab a verse or two and think on it and, and just chew on it for even just two or three minutes, that sticks with me through the day. You know, um, uh, the other day is a psalm, I think it's 36 1. Uh, Transgression speaks to the heart of the ungodly. There's no fear of God before his eyes. And man, anytime there's just like even the slightest pull to temptation to get angry, to look, you know, just take a, a second look at something you shouldn't be looking at or whatever else, then man, that, that verse is in your head going, if you feared God, you wouldn't be thinking about doing that. And, and so that's that walk with God. And, it's, and then at the end of the day, that has kept me out of trouble multiple times. And it's like, that's cool. I'm closer to God for that than I was this morning. And so taking the time to, to chew on it. You know, you find joy. Uh, you know, I find joy in my wife. But if in our conversation, we sit down when the kids have gone to bed and just hang out and, and just chat. If I'm on my phone the whole time, I don't enjoy that. She doesn't feel closer to me. We don't have any connection there. And so there's, there, I don't get the joy out of her. She doesn't get the joy out of me. When I put the phone down, put it away, and, and she and I just talk, it's great. You know, there's joy there. Um, around the kids, if I'm just trying to do something else, not paying attention, I don't get joy out of them. When I put everything else away and just focus on them for half an hour, an hour, and we wrestle, we play around, whatever else, that's fine. Then when duty comes in, I have duties to my wife. I have duties to the kids. You know, when I have to change a diaper, I'm not frustrated and mad at them. The duty is just part of the whole thing. But I've got the joy from knowing them that makes the duty not so bad. And so focus and purpose. Why am I pursuing this relationship? Why am I going through the duties that I do have to grow closer to God? And then while I'm here, this is what I'm doing. I'm not on my phone. I'm not thinking about Facebook or Twitter. I'm not thinking about my work for the day. I'm talking to God. He's got my undivided attention. I'm going to spend this time reading, thinking about it, meditating on it, praying about what I've just read. And when you've got the focus and you've got the purpose, then you've got the closeness, and the closeness is where the joy comes from, as we've said. And I think, you know, as we're kind of getting ready to wrap up here, the one other thing that I'll add, you know, purely on a secondary um, standpoint, because obviously if you're not knowing God in the way that you should, uh, or at least striving to, then all this other stuff doesn't matter. But I'll, I'll kick it to y'all after I give my answer. of Any kind of, you know, again, as we close, any other closing kind of practical things that, that you guys can suggest for somebody who maybe is at ground zero, who is not, you know, who, if you listen to this and you recognize I'm not a joyful person, I don't find joy in my Christianity. Where do I start? How do I get to that point? Obviously it has to start with knowing God uh, and, and striving to get to know God better. But the other thing that I'll add again, and then I'll kick it to you guys is to seek out joyful people. Um, it, again, with the, the community aspect that we discussed a few minutes ago, it is a whole lot easier to be joyful, to find joy, to exude joy if you're surrounded by, if you surround yourself with other people who are joyful. You think about somebody who is constantly a pessimist, that, you know, negative Nancy who's always going to say something negative. If you're around that person a lot, 
you kind of find yourself doing the same thing, looking mm-hmm. at the glasses as half empty instead of half full, saying negative things. On the contrary, you're with somebody who's very uplifting, very positive, uh, very optimistic. That is also going to leak over. And so if we truly want to find joy in the Christian life, but we're surrounding ourselves with maybe, unfortunately, as sad as it is, if we're surrounding ourselves with Christians who aren't joyful, what surprise is it that, that we're also having a hard time finding joy? And so I think that's an important practical step as well. If, if you're in a congregation that's a decent size, look, look for the people that do exude joy. Look for the people that are, you know, are smiling as big as they can when they're singing. You know, look for the people who seem to find joy in, in, in their struggles and in their hardships. Surround yourself with those people, and it truly will um, – you know, it, it will be something that is a whole lot easier for you to adopt as well if you surround yourself with that type of people. What, what do you guys think? Anything to add to that? I, I got a few answers. Uh, first, I would keep a, I did this this last year and I think it was really good as I kept a gratefulness journal. Yeah. And every day, that's a good one. Um, I woke up and I thought about the day before and what there was to be grateful for. And I had some really brutal days last year. And yet, it's interesting when you, when you wake up and you think about yesterday and you go, man, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of difficulty in that. And just to see the way that God is is working in your life, um, it helped me focus on more of the positive, but also going back and looking at some of those things. You know, we moved to Tennessee last year and um, we were under contract. We were about a week or two away from closing on a house and it fell through. And, you know, looking as I was reading through the gratefulness journal at the end of the year, it's like, that was really difficult to find joy in that and to be excited about it. We lost money. We lost time. It was pushing everything back. And I look at the way that God used that. And there was a job that I was able to, to work over the summer and have still been working at even Denver fly back for it. And it's just helped my ministry and helped my, um, my therapy practice to just be so much better. That would have never happened if God hadn't. So as I'm keeping this gratefulness journal, I'm seeing God work throughout my life, how these things are happening. So that's the first thing. Second thing, look for the abstract, I would say. Try to find the abstract. Even in, in arguments with your spouse, what's really being said here? What is she feeling, right? Well, I'm. she may be getting ticked that I didn't uh, take the trash out. What's really being said? I'm not, I have not been as mindful of the things that I should be. I have not been paying attention to her. That's the abstract principle to the concrete issue. Do that in multiple areas of your life with the emotional, but also with the spiritual. Look for the the ways that it's like, again, it's the intentional, but look for the abstract even in your Bible study. What can I learn from this? It's not just, well, David slew Goliath. What can I learn from this? Great faith is is greatly rewarded, right? Things like that. So look for the abstract, I would say. And um, the third one, if you're struggling to find joy and, and you're struggling to want to know God, ask yourself why. And I've been doing a lot of this. Why is it easier for me to study the Bible than to pray? There's reasons behind it. Um, why is it, why am I not always wanting to get to, to get closer to God? Um, there's reasons for that. Dig deep, understand your reasons. If you have to talk to somebody about it, talk to your preacher about it, talk to some other people about it, kind of your point, Will, getting around joyful Christians, talk to them about it. Um, But I think that's really important to understand yourself and your reasons for not knowing God. So I'm going to kind of put what you guys have said together. Uh, A heavy focus of it, and I brought it up earlier, is Israel wandering in the desert. Uh, And so you say, what else can you do? Think past, present, and future. 
past was your life of sin. Past was your life without God, without peace, without, you know, uh, uh, Ephesians 2 says we were without hope in the world. Uh, Colossians 1 says we were in the domain of darkness. We were transferred to the kingdom of the sun. All those blessings that you got as being a Christian, look back on that and go, man, where would I be without that? Uh, and, and so look at your past, look at your present. And this is, you know, the gratitude thing of where I was, where I am, where I'm going. Your present even if you're wandering in the wilderness, even if you don't know where your next meal is coming from, like manna from the sky, if you don't know where the water is coming from, like water from the rock, and all those ways God provided for his people, you're walking with God. He's made promises to you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to give you what you need. He's giving you guidance. He's giving you law. He's giving you structure. He's right there with you. The other thing is, He's placed people around you who know him, who can lead you to him. Uh, you know, Will, on your point about finding people, uh, it's it's such a big deal. Moses, when he came down from the mountain, because he had been with God, his face, or when he came out of the tent, his face would be glowing, right? The people of Israel were like, whoa, you got to cover that up. That's, that's, that's scary, okay? Find people in your church, people in your life whose face is glowing because they've been with God and say, show me the way. Take me up the mountain. Take me to God like you do. Because, Will, you're exactly right. If you don't know how, somebody in your life does. Somebody in your church does. Go to them and, and, man, you see all those things we talked about. The peace, the joy, the love, the, 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 the way they view life because they walk with God and say, I want what you've got. You know, and, and that's part of disciple making is showing other people the way up the mountain to God. And so, you know, in the present, you have all of those blessings. And in the future, you've got a promised land ahead of you that nothing can keep you out of. Don't be like the, the 10 spies and say, it's not going to happen. I can't get there. It's too hard. It's whatever else. We're getting there. You know, God is on the march with us. God's getting me there. God's going to carry me through. He's going to carry me over Jordan. I've got the promised land ahead of me. And so it's not just heaven is the eternal goal that's part of it it's what you've got now it's what you had in the past that you've come out of um past present future look at those things don't make the mistakes israel did because you look at how whiny they were how uh ungrateful they were how little joy there was in the journey find joy in the journey uh use past present future as as the way to do that Okay, before we get out of here, we're going to do our closing segment we always do. What have you been preaching and or studying lately? So uh, one one minute, uh, one preacher minute, you guys know how that goes, um, on, on what what you've learned lately, something you want to share. Uh, I was just going to say, Jack, uh, you normally make us go first. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and, and kick us off here? Me and yeah, Joe you, can, you can wrap, can well, wrap it up. Well played, fellas. Okay, um, uh, I'm preaching in the book of Hebrews this uh, this coming week. It, you read it and go, okay, cool, don't go back to the old law. I don't have any temptation to go back to the old law. But one of the things that, that we realize is we need uh, the, the sacrificial system didn't go away. We just still need a sacrifice. We just got the perfect sacrifice. And we think, okay, cool, we know about that. That happened at the cross, whatever else. The thing that's underrated, and, and my buddy Michael Whitworth has a great commentary on Hebrews. I, I recommend you pick it up. Uh, that he points out, we think of Jesus as a lot of things, you know, king, lamb, you know, Messiah, all the, the shepherd, all the, the terms we use. Priest doesn't get enough recognition. We don't have songs about how he's our priest. We don't have a discussion about that. The old system didn't go away. You still need a priest every day, going, a high priest going in to the holy place before the Father, you know, to advocate for you, to show that you've been cleansed, all these things. Jesus is your priest. You know, we, we think that the priesthood, uh, it just isn't isn't something that we have to worry about. You know, all that Old Testament stuff that's that's beyond us. Blood, 
sacrifice, all that. No, no, it's still very real today. And Jesus is your priest every single day. When you pray, he's serving as a priest. When you sin, he's serving as your priest. You know, when, uh, when, when just all, all kinds of things. And so, you know, that he was that high priest who became like us. He knows us. He knows our struggles, knows our weaknesses. And so of all the things you think of uh, about Jesus, think about that a little bit. Think about what it means that you have a priest, a high priest, advocating for you, uh, performing priestly duty for you every day. He's not just sitting up in heaven waiting to come back for us. He's serving as a priest in God's house for you right now. That's pretty cool. Super, it super is. interesting. And I'll, I'll go next because mine, mine sort of uh, parallels with that. Um, I preached a lesson here recently uh, highlighting the love of God and kind of going over what that looks like. And what struck me because my text was Deuteronomy 7 is – you know, the parallels that exist between us today and the Israelites. And, you know, we tend to think kind of like what you just said, Jack, well, that, that's the old law, the Israelites, you know, that's nothing similar to what we are today. And the truth is it is very similar. Deuteronomy chapter seven, uh, verse six, when, when uh, basically when Moses is giving the law the second time and uh, you know, God through Moses is telling the Israelites, you know, don't intermarry with the pagan people. Don't uh, destroy all of their idols mm-hmm. because you are a holy people. You are a special nation. This is the reason I have chosen you, and it's you know it parallels almost exactly with First Peter two nine, where we're described as a chosen generation, a holy nation, etc. But then you know to to go with the lesson, you know the verses seven and eight of Deuteronomy seven, God you know God through Moses is reminding the Israelites, you know God didn't choose you guys because you were anything special. God didn't choose you guys because you were the greatest nation, the mightiest nation, the most uh, numerous nation. Now He chose you because He loves you, Um, and again. That parallels beautifully with us today, you know, in the, under the new covenant as Christians. We're not in any great shakes. We're nothing special. You know, it, it's not because we're the, the most moralistic people that God chooses to love us. No, God chose to love us first. And that is what inspires us to love other people. But it's just interesting the parallels that existed or that, that still exist, obviously, between the Israelites and us today when it comes to being chosen and, and God setting his love on us simply because just that, because he loves us. It's good Very stuff. good. I like good it. Stuff. What you got, Joe? Um, I have chosen, so I'm in the middle of a series, uh, and the idea is created to. Uh, We are created for different reasons, and we are created to, uh, I have four different things, and so I'll briefly go over these because you could get into the weeds on each one, but that takes a long time. Um, Created to have dominion was the first one, and Mm -hmm. the idea that I took is we're created to rule over what God has put us in charge of. Man was the pinnacle of God's creation. We, they were created, Adam and Eve were created with the idea of dominion in mind. That's clearly connected in bearing the image of God, um, of, of ruling over, taking care of, not dominating, but having dominion over something and, and being good at something. And my, the idea that I kind of t- to it is care about and and exercise rule and authority over the things that God has placed in your life to exercise those over. So in your house, have dominion, you know, take care of it, um, cultivate it type of thing. Uh, in your family, in your job, do the best that you can do because you were created to have dominion. Um, then this week I will be going uh, or talking about created to reproduce. And yes, on the one hand, there's the be fruitful, multiply with the kids. But I think we see that now in the Great Commission, the idea of being fruitful and multiplying um, in, in Christianity. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have kids. Yes, I think that's important too, but um, reproducing and, and um, making sure that we don't just, I become a Christian, then I die alone having never reproduced. No, I think the important thing is to be fruitful and multiply in our Christianity. 
And then we are created to be holy like God. He gave us laws. He gave us rules uh, to follow and, and to be um, set apart in how we and how we act and then created to be intimate with others. And that's going to go into the church and things like that. But it was not good for man to be alone. We are created to have intimacy with others, um, to be known on, on a deeper level than just superficial. And so whether we allow that, so that's kind of where I'm at with, uh, the sermon series right now is why we were created. And it's at the start of the year, um, thinking about kind of going back to the very beginning of time as to why God created us. And now that we have a, a new year here, what can we do this year to help? And so with all of these things is it's kind of where I'm at. I like really that. Good stuff. That's uh, there is a reason we had Joe go last, by the way. Exactly. Would take the longest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's yeah. that touches on some of what uh, my next book is going to be about. So we'll have to talk about that here soon. Um, hey. Yeah, hopefully sometime this year. But writing books is hard, so we'll see. Um, all right, we're going to go ahead and close there. Um, Nick, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, uh, check it out on your podcast app. We're going to be putting more on YouTube, including short clips, uh, actual video. You'll be able to see our faces here soon. Not this week, but coming up soon. Uh, be sure to be... Guys. What's that? Lucky you guys. Oh, joy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, uh be sure to that you are subscribed. Next week, we're going to be having a discussion on Christian nationalism. Uh, I just did a, an article on that at focuspress.org. Very interesting discussion. Very, um, I don't know, confusing one. One that I think that, that needs a deeper dive than it's been given. And so we're going to have our discussion on that next week. Be sure you are subscribed to get that episode. And we will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.